Welcome to the Rural Woman Podcast, a platform for women in agriculture, ranching, homesteading, and more to share their stories. I'm your host, Caitlin Dubin. This week's episode of the Rural Woman Podcast is brought to you by our newest member of the patron gang, my friend and fellow podcaster, Jason Meadows. Jason recently became an official fan over on Patreon and is helping support sharing the stories of women in agriculture. If you'd also like to become an official fan of the show, head on over to patreon.com slash the Rural Woman Podcast to find out more. Hey everyone, thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of the Rural Woman Podcast. On this week's episode, you'll meet Allie Fender. Allie is a fourth generation cattle producer in San Diego County, California. She grew up on the family ranch and always had a love for cattle and livestock. Allie participated in 4-H and FFA growing up, and when her and her husband Bryce got married back in 2014, they received a unique wedding gift of 10 heifers from her dad, which started them down the path of their own cattle brand and operation, the Flying F Ranch. I am excited to share Allie's story with you and talk all about her unique and interesting cattle operation down in the San Diego County, which can we all just take a minute and say how jealous we are that you can have a ranch in San Diego and it's beautiful there pretty much all of the time. But before we get to Allie's episode, I wanted to share a different type of review. So instead of the traditional listener review that I share with you guys each and every week, I wanted to share a bit of an email thread that I had going with a listener instead. And the email says, I found your podcast in late January and binge listened to the first 42 episodes. It was wonderful, refreshing, and very honest about life. My wife and I always wanted to be farmers, but that was not the thing to do in the 1970s as all of the boomers were leaving the family farms. I remember driving from Calgary to New Brighton on Friday nights to go help on my friend's family farm. It was wall-to-wall traffic with all of the boomers going home to help on the family farms and the same traffic coming back on Sunday nights. As you know, some of those family farms are gone and trips out there now are very quiet. A few years ago, I went to do a job in consort and the customer told me that if I didn't want to go door to door for a coffee, that I'd better pick one up in Drumheller or Hannah on the way. Restaurants were all permanently closed in consort. Another thing that your podcast does is put to rest the memes that millennials are self-centered and that they don't want to work. My wife and I have four of them, aged 42 to 31, so we knew this meme wasn't true as they and our two daughter-in-laws work hard and are wonderful community members. Thank you, Dan, for reaching out to me over at my email address, hello at wildrosefarmer.com, to share this lovely story with me. I think the point that you make about the memes and millennials and the working hard or the not working hard really hit home for me because lots of the guests that I have on the show really fall into the category of millennial. And I literally have never spoken to one person in this category on this show that wasn't one of the hardest working people that I know. So I am glad that we are putting the stigma of millennials and being lazy to rest on the Rural Woman podcast. 
I also want to say a big thank you to you and your wife, Mary, for your generous contribution to the Rural Woman podcast. I truly appreciate it. And it really, really helps with the monthly costs that go into running this podcast because it's not free for me. It's free for you guys to listen, but definitely not a free thing for me to do, even though it pays well in heart bucks, but not bank bucks. Does that make sense? (laughs) So thank you guys so much for your kind ratings and reviews and your typical fashions as well. Uh, You can leave a rating or review wherever you listen to the Rural Woman podcast and your words will be read out loud on a show. Or if you guys send me a nice email, I might read it on the show too. So (laughs) without further ado, my friends, let's get to this week's episode with Allie. Good morning, Allie. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing this morning, Caitlin? I'm so good. Thank you so much for joining me on the Rural Woman podcast today. I am so excited to get to chat with you. I am so excited that you asked me to join you. So yeah, I'm happy to be here. For my listeners who are unfamiliar with you, tell us a bit about who you are and where you're from. So my name is Allie Fender. I am originally from San Diego County in California, and I still reside here. And I live on my parents' working beef cattle operation with my little family. I have two little boys and my husband, Bryce, and we have our own little operation going on as well. So that's where I'm at. I'm about an hour and like 10 minutes from downtown San Diego. So I'm not too far away, but I'm up in the mountains. I have to say, Allie, I was completely unaware that anything agriculturally related would be that close to San Diego. I've been to San Diego before and I don't recall seeing a farm or a ranch anywhere near there. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I get that a lot because a lot of people when I say, oh yeah, I'm from San Diego and I have cows and they're just like, wait, what? You know, because when you think about San Diego, you think about the beach and like the Del Mar racetrack and the zoo, the wild animal park, the SeaWorld, all that kind of stuff. But no one really thinks about livestock or agricultural crops or any of that. So it is pretty diverse county here. So I'm pretty lucky to be here. That's very good. And I will say I was watching your Instagram stories this morning and I saw how green it was there right now. It's and so I am green. So jealous of that as oh I'm gosh. looking out on snow. <laughs> I know. I know. I can't complain at all. So yeah, I know. <laughs> Like I said, we're really lucky to be here. And this is like my favorite time of year. I love the green. It looks like we live in Ireland or something during the springtime. (laughs) Yeah, it's so beautiful. So Allie, how did you get your start in agriculture? Well, I am actually a fourth generation cattle producer. My great grandparents immigrated over here from Switzerland in the late 1800s, I believe. And they immigrated over here because they already had cousins who owned and operated dairy operations in the area in San Diego. And there was like a few different operations and there's even a few up north, a little bit more too. But um, that's where we started. So it was all about dairy originally. And then um, both of my grandparents actually grew up in the ranching industry. My grandma grew up on a famous ranch in Carlsbad in San Diego, which is like a beach community. It was called uh, Leo Carrillo Ranch. It's still there, and it's like a historical museum site now. But she grew up there on a little homestead, and her dad, my great-grandpa, was the main foreman of the operation that worked for Leo Carrillo. 
And Leo Creo was actually a, a Hollywood movie star for like old Westerns and stuff. So I didn't really know that until recently. So that was kind of like a cool fact that I've learned along the way. And then my grandpa was in the dairy business growing up and he basically helped my grandma operate the dairy with his two younger brothers. His dad actually passed away from, I don't really know exactly what, but some sort of disease. They, they went back to Switzerland and he passed away in Switzerland and they came back to the U.S. to work on the dairy and they had family here that kind of took them in. And so that's kind of how, you know, my background story. And then my grandpa, when he married my grandma, they added beef into the mix of the dairy industry. And that was only because the dairy business was kind of declining at the time and it still is here. There's only one dairy that's in operation in San Diego now, which it's crazy. When I was a kid, there was quite a few still. Yeah, so he merged right at the right time, basically. And now we just do full beef. We don't do dairy anymore. So that's kind of my background. Can I just say that I love that you know so much about your background and where your grandma came from and what they did <laughs> oh when they gosh. got here? It's so good to know these things because I'll just throw in a personal story here. Yesterday, my husband and I went and visited his baba, who is his Ukraine grandmother, who immigrated oh. here from Ukraine. And she's 92 years old and the sweetest, sweetest Aww. woman. And to get the story out of her, she goes rambling off about other things. But like I to know, know yeah. these stories and have that connection is so important. And I just love that you know so much about your story. Yeah, I think it's just so important for people to kind of like understand their history, you know? It's just like, it's important and it's it's interesting and it kind of like makes you think like, you know, who you are inside and, you know, why you are the way you are, because I'm very passionate about what I do. And I think it's because, you know, it kind of like runs in the blood, you know? Well, it is very thick in your blood, obviously, from both sides <laughs> of your family. So that's I know, crazy. wonderful. So growing up a fourth generation rancher, <clears throat> you participated in FFA. What were some of your fondest memories from those times in your life? Well, I first of all, if anyone has kids and is not quite into agriculture yet and they're interested, that's a great way to start because you kind of learn with your kids. And it's just like a fun experience overall. And you learn a lot. But my favorite memories and whatnot would have to be during fair season. There's a local fair near like about half an hour from where I live. And that's where I did most of my animal showing and whatnot. And I just, you know, loved being there and being with my friends and, you know, just like being proud of what you produced and showing the animals and whatnot. That was always one of my favorite things. I still love showing animals. I actually show my Australian shepherds in confirmation shows still. And it's just something that I really love and really enjoy doing. And with that being said, caring for the animals and learning about responsibility is something that I took with me doing 4-H and FFA. And it just kind of teaches you how to be kind and how to be compassionate to animals and people alike. And doing FFA, that's high school. I was an officer in high school for, I think I was a secretary, I can't quite remember. But it's just nice to, you know, learn how to do public speaking and um, parliamentary procedures we went to all the conferences and, you know, other events and stuff like that. And it's just like good lifelong things that you can keep or take along with you. And uh, I still, you know, think about FFA and 4-H and how it's going to me to where I am today. So I just really enjoyed that. And um, yeah, and I have a crazy pig story you want to hear <laughs> if you want to hear about any animal stories. I absolutely regarding want to hear FFA. about this. Yes. Yeah. Well, this happened. <laughs> well, growing up, my dad never really let me have steers. 
because there's a lot of work and you basically have them all year long. So we couldn't go on vacation or do anything if we had steers for 4-H purposes or FFA purposes. So I did pigs and I loved my pigs as a kid, but as I got older, pigs were just so dang smart. And I had space for them at my house, but at our barn at the school, at my high school, we redid the whole barn and everything. So I just decided to keep my pigs there because I played um, sports and whatnot. So I like to just go to school early, feed them. And then after sports were done, I would just go and feed them and, you know, take care of them and everything, clean their pens out. But I had two pigs one year. One was for my brother and one was mine. We just had them together in the pen and they figured out how to escape their pen, but we had no idea how they would do it. And our high school was right in the middle of our small town. And my high school was tiny. My graduating class was 45 kids. And so we have like the typical small town called Julian. Anyway, so they started, or I had the police officers or the sheriffs from town would call me all the time because my pigs would be running down main street literally every other day. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, I'll be right there. And I, at the time I drove a forerunner, an old like 97 forerunner. So I would go and pick up two pigs in the back of my forerunner, like twice a week at least. And then I figured out how they started, you know, learning to escape their pens. And there was like a horseshoe latch on the gate and they started like nosing it and it would like close back in and click. So you would never even know. It was like Houdini pigs. They just like escaped all the time. So yeah, pigs are just, they're super duper smart, but those were my troublesome pigs in FFA and 4-H. <laughs> oh my goodness. I could only imagine being like in the middle of math class and getting a call from the sheriff yeah. saying your yeah, pig is on the road. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, I was known for that in high school. <laughs> that is so my loose funny. Pigs. <laughs> That's too I funny. Know. Wherever or however you're listening to this podcast right now, you should take a moment and check out Stitcher. Those of you listening on Stitcher already get why. For those of you who don't know, Stitcher is a free podcast app for iPhone or Android. Stitcher is home to over 260,000 podcasts from classics like The Joe Rogan Experience, My Favorite Murderer, The Daily, Armchair Expert with Dax Shepard, and new shows such as Science Rules with Bill Nye the Science Guy. Seriously, Stitcher has a podcast for everyone. Stitcher also has smart recommendations and playlists so you can find your new favorite show and organize your current podcast favorites, like the Rural Woman podcast. Subscribe to Stitcher Premium for bonus episodes, exclusive shows, and ad-free listening. Sign up today for only $4.99 a month or $34.99 a year. Go to stitcher.com slash premium to sign up today. Use promo code RURALWOMAN for one free month. That's RURALWOMAN, R-U-R-A-L-W-O-M-A-N for one whole month for free on Stitcher Premium. So growing up, did you ever want to have a career outside of agriculture or did you always know that you had this pull towards egg? I've always had a pull towards ag for sure. Out of high school, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. So I actually kind of, you know, went with the flow at the time. And I ended up playing soccer for the women's team at one of the local community colleges in San Diego. So that's, I just kind of went there. And then when I was in high school, I went to Costa Rica for our Spanish trip. And that made me fall in love with learning Spanish. So I wanted to be a Spanish teacher right off the bat out of high school. And it was kind of like something that, you know, I just, I don't know, I just had like a a drive to do that at the time. But as I was going through school, it, I realized that wasn't really what I wanted to do. 
And I just, you know, played soccer and started, you know, getting my general education under my belt. And then I learned that my community college actually had an animal health tech program. So I went along to apply and get into the program and I did, and I loved it. And then that kind of made me think that I wanted to become a veterinarian. So I was thinking about maybe like transferring out at some point and then going to a four year to continue to get my vet license or to go to vet school. But I just never did. I kind of liked what I was doing at the time. And I still do. That's what I do now. So with that program, you get a, a license if you pass for a registered vet tech license. So that's what I do at the moment. And I really love what I do. I work with just cats and dogs. But when I was in school, I kind of was interested in doing large animal medicine. But I learned that with doing large animal medicine as an RVT, you don't really do a whole lot of hands-on stuff like I do now. Meaning like you're mostly restraining the horse or assisting the doctor getting, you know, products that they need. So I never really went down the large animal route because I like being hands-on and like, you know, using my skills to the fullest potential. So in a way, I kind of do things that involve animals, which is my love. So yeah, and then now I kind of have my cows on the side. And I do that in my off time, sort of. It's more of my full-time job, obviously, but... (laughs) For sure. But that's what I do. (laughs) Yeah. So tell us more about your cows and how you've kind of started this inside the bigger family business, the Flying F brand and how it got started and where you are today. Yes. So with the Flying F brand, that all started, uh, let's see, almost six years ago now. My husband and I got married in 2015. I'm like trying to think. And my dad actually gifted us with 10 head of heifers for our wedding gift. So when that happened, we were like, we were so excited to get you know, our business rolling and kind of get our vaccination program, our health program set. And obviously you have to come up with a brand. So Bryce and I, my husband sat on the couch for weeks, just doodling on paper, trying to figure out what type of brand we wanted. And we came up with the flying F brand, which is the F with little dash marks on the side. And, uh, it was kind of an inspiration off of my grandpa's brand. He had a similar brand that was a Flying 7 with over a Lazy Bar, which is kind of like Sideways S. And that's kind of where I got my idea from for the brand. And then I guess the other way you can think about a brand is our business. And so we kind of went full throttle on that this past year because we have, so we had our 10 head of heifers and now they're mama cows and they've had a few babies each year since then. So we started thinking about how we wanted to do our beef because the ranchers around the area just load up their cattle or their wean calves and take them up to the sale auction, which is fine. But I really have a passion for having a relationship with the consumer and I want to implement that with my personal business. And I know it's a lot harder to do, but it's just something I really think is important. And I feel like it's a disconnect that is not being implemented in society, especially where I'm at. So I just want to, you know, build that connection directly with people that are interested in eating beef or eating any sort of, you know, locally produced meat. So that's kind of where, you know, our thing is going at the moment. Oh, and then I started a blog as well that I kind of named the Flying F of Ranch Wife, which is what I am on Instagram too. But with the blog, I kind of started that because I'm part of the San Diego County Cowbells. 
And it's just a local group of cattle women that get together once a month and we advocate for the beef community. And we also, you know, visit schools and do ag in the classroom events and just teach kids and teach, you know, adults all about beef and, you know, all the benefits and, you know, all the byproducts that go into it. Basically, we use so many products daily that involve cattle or involve any sort of, you know, meat or livestock, I guess you could say. So I had to create a website for the San Diego County Cowbells because I was on the social media chair. And when I did that, it was pretty easy and I kind of liked it. And I was like, you know what? I should try to start a blog so I can start educating my own following of people who want beef. And I kind of want to share my story and, you know, where I come from and why I'm so diehard about the beef or the beef aspect of things around here. So that's where I started the Flying F brand blog. And that's just kind of, you know, something that I'm working on now. And I, I really enjoy it. And I need to get writing some more. It's just, I've been so busy, but that's where I'm at at the moment. And then with our cows, so as I, I'll kind of backtrack a little bit, we have about 10 steers that are ready this year to be processed for the first time. So Bryce and I really want to sell our beef direct to consumer, like I was talking about earlier. So I've been, you know, doing a bunch of research and stuff. And I thought about doing USDA sales, which means taking the animals to a USDA processing facility. And then I can sell that meat retail or ship it across state lines. I can get it at farmer's markets or grocery stores, anything like that. But the problem about that is where I'm at, the closest USDA processing facility is about seven hours away, which is like central California. I decided I don't want to do that because it puts stress on the cattle and it's not cost efficient. So I started, you know, kind of brainstorming with Bryce about doing live sales on beef. So I'd have the butcher come up to the ranch and have him harvest and process the carcass at his meat shop. And then he wants to work one-on-one with each customer doing cut and wrap and tailor cutting everything to their desire. So that's kind of how I'm starting things right now because it's the easiest way to do it. And it's going to be more cost efficient for everyone all around. So that's kind of like where I'm at right there. That's very cool. And I think like going back to what you were saying about you and the cowbells, like I think it's so great that you found a community of women that are so close to you that you're able to meet and share your knowledge with people because you do live so close to a major city in a major area. Yes. Like I even said, I didn't know that this was in the surrounding area. And I'm sure that there's people that live in San Diego that have no idea that this agriculture community is all around them. Right. That's exactly right. It's really cool. A lot of the cowbells are a little bit older, older generation. And a lot of the people that are in that club are from where I'm from, which is like I said, about an hour outside of San Diego. So, and they all have working ranches and whatnot still. And there's a lot of younger generation girls that are coming in, which is great. And I really love that because it just shows that the beef community is still alive and strong and they, they want to learn and they want to make the connections too. So I think it's like an important thing to like stay connected and just stay grounded with like-minded people. Yeah, absolutely. Have you been loving the Rural Woman podcast? Are you wondering how you can support the show? Well, friend, I'm happy to announce that I've recently joined Patreon. What is Patreon? Well, it's a membership-based platform that provides a simple way for you to contribute to the Rural Woman podcast every month and get exclusive rewards in return. Memberships start as low as $2 a month. 
Seriously, that's less than your grande, skinny, extra hot caramel macchiato with whip. Wondering what the rewards are? Well, they include promo codes for Shop Wild Rose Farmer, draws for the Rural Woman Podcast merchandise, shout outs on the show, and more. Your financial support of the Rural Woman Podcast will help make it possible for the stories of women in agriculture to continue to be shared. So head on over to wildrosefarmer.com to find out more information about how you can become a patron through Patreon. So along with your cattle, you guys also have another venture happening as well. Tell us more <laughs> about how beer has been added into all of this mix. Yeah, so my husband and his brother, Brandon, have been into beer for a long, long time. Brandon actually had or has his own brewery at the moment. They're actually in the process of shutting down the brewery that they have right now and opening up a new one where we live because their brewery, their first brewery was up in Santa Ana, which is about two-ish hours away from us. It's in LA County. But he really wants to move his whole family back to Julian, which is our hometown, and start up a brewery here. So Bryce has always been kind of involved with the beer aspect of things with his brother, too. And long time ago, maybe like 10 years ago or so, Bryce and Brandon had some dreams of producing beer on one single location because that's something that's like not known to be around in San Diego. And San Diego is actually the number one craft beer capital in the United States. So that's something that a lot of the breweries don't really have here because you know, San Diego is not known for growing grain or growing anything of that sort for that type of market. To my knowledge, San Diego is more known for like ornamental shrubs and citrus, avocado, but not grain production. That's more like a Midwest thing. So a lot of the breweries down here actually import their malt and grain from sources like that from out of the state mostly, or maybe even up north. I'm not sure. But on the ranch, we actually have some fields that used to be planted for hay. And Bryce and Brandon kind of were thinking about trying to plant those fields with barley or wheat. And the reason why we chose barley is because it's very hardy. And in our area, we have like up and downs with drought and barley is pretty drought intolerant. So it's something that would be beneficial to try to grow here. So we started growing, we did barley and wheat the first year and we actually harvested it did it and everything to ourselves with an old rusty combine that my husband actually bought from, I think he said Ohio or Illinois or something. Basically, the thing is a huge beast. And he bought it and it cost more to ship the thing than to actually purchase it. <laughs> and we had to actually fix it and everything to make it work. But it actually works. So we ended up using it the first year and we harvested all the grain and we started to learn how to mulch. And that's another trade that's very, you know, hard to get into because there's limited sources or limited information on how to malt grain for producing beer. So Bryce has been doing a lot of research online and looking at homebrew blogs and YouTube videos and kind of talking to other people that have been malting and whatnot too. And so he actually came up with a process and we've been implementing it as best as we can. We kind of like go full force for a while and then we take a break because we get so much grain and uh, we have to use it. So right now I have, I think, 800 pounds of grain 
of malt ready to be brewed with right now. So we're going to brew that malt at a local brewery in Julian. And the whole reason, too, why I really wanted to get back into brewing, too, was because I wanted to feed the spent grains in my house. Because I really believe in sustainability and trying to, you know, use byproducts to create protein, basically. So brewer's grain is actually really high in protein, fiber, and energy. And it's important for ruminants to digest that type of stuff. And grain, it's also already mashed up and it's really easy on their intestinal system to be able to digest it. So it's something that is easily given to cows and it can turn that waste into protein before. Same thing with me picking up apple peels and cores from the local pie companies. They just throw it away outside and they throw it out on the dock for livestock producers to pick up and it goes like hotcakes. It's like candy here. So there's always like a line of people trying to pick up some apple peels for their pigs and whatnot. But that's kind of why I wanted to get back into brewing too, so that we can like make it full circle from being grown on the ranch, being brewed at a brewery locally, and then the leftovers gets cycles and it's just like a whole circle of life. And that's kind of like my idea behind it. So that's kind of where I'm at with the beer thing. And then, as I said before, Bryce's brother is thinking about opening up a brewery at some point again in Julian. It happens. Bryce and I want to help out as much as possible. And I just like learning about all that. And I think it would be kind of like a fun family venture for us to dive into. Yeah, that's very cool. And like you said, the having the full circle of using everything to your advantage, whether it be the cows or the scraps or whatever it is, to put everything back in to this beer is very cool. That's a very cool story behind it. Thank you. Yeah, it's something that we just feel really passionate about. And we think that something that would be, you know, unique to our business. So it's just something that's kind of fun. Yeah, for sure. So, Ali, what are your future plans for Flying F? Well, right now I'm trying to start small, and that's why I'm doing the live beef shares. So at some point, I would really love to lease some property if, you know, this thing kind of takes off at some point. Right now I have my 10 head of heifer, or they're not heifers anymore, my 10 head of cows and about 100 acres along with their babies. And then I have a couple pastures for my steers or my finishing steers, but I'd like to lease some property and try to put more cows on it at some point. That's something that's like on the agenda. And along with that, I think it would be really awesome to work with my local community of ladies, which I've been talking with them with like the cowbells is what I'm talking about. Trying to get a USDA facility in San Diego, I guess you'd be one years ago, but it's just been kind of booted out because, you know, people are kind of like on a no meat trend right now and trying to kind of bully ranchers and farmers in the area. So I've been working hard on research and whatnot to try to get like a USDA mobile butcher facility rolling as like a nonprofit or something, or trying to get like a real facility that's an actual location, something around the area just to make that happen. So that's something that I'm trying to work on. That's going to be probably where and working alongside with some ladies on that. And then I would really love, this is also long-term goals. I would really love to open up a meat shop and just have like a co-op or something almost like have any sort of local meat share possible. Like I want lamb, I want pork, I want beef, chicken, 
turkeys, you name it, I want it. And I want to try to open up a meat shop and even learn how to butcher myself. I think that would be really cool. And then the brew with Bryce's brother and his wife, Robin, would be something that I think would be really fun to get into as well. So that's kind of like my game plan at the moment. I love that you're sharing all of these big audacious hairs with us because honestly, <laughs> even when people will ask me, like, what are my future goals? Like, I'm like, oh, well, you know, this little thing and this little thing. But no, you are sharing the big ones. And I love that. And I think, well, hopefully if, if I say out loud and people hear me, then it'll make me do it. <laughs> so. Yes, girlfriend. Absolutely. <laughs> That's what I mean. Like say them out loud and keep saying them over and over because when you say these things out loud, that's when these things actually start happening for you. So I love right. that. Thank you for sharing all of those with us. So Ali, what do you think is the most rewarding part about being a rancher? I think like the most important thing is watching my kids be in this environment as I mentioned before, being a part of 4-H and FFA, I kind of learned how to be caring and the responsibility aspect and everything that goes into taking care of an animal teaches you how to be a good person and a good human. So I really love watching my kids. My kids are pretty young. I have a three-year-old and a almost two-year-old and already I can see them be gentle and kind and, you know, want to help me feed the cows or help me want to, or help want to help me feed the dogs and whatnot. And it's that I find it just warms my heart to see. That's probably one of the most rewarding things for me. Secondly, I also just love seeing the hard work that we do on the ranch and then see it on our dinner plate or see it benefiting us in some way. And that's just something that I think is important because you know, being a rancher or being a farmer, you're kind of, it's a really hard industry to be in. And it's just like nice to see things actually happen and actually come to your plate. And then I also really love being connected and growing trust with people outside who aren't familiar with our type of lifestyle. So I just love trying to advocate and educate people, especially locally about what we do as farmers and ranchers. And it's just something that I hold close to my heart as well. Absolutely. And that I can only imagine is a big part of what you do in the area that you're from. It's tough here, but you know, I feel like when I talk to a lot of people that are from the city or the city folk or however you want to say that, they really appreciate it. And it's it's all about being kind. Like you don't want to be defensive. You don't want to be rude or, you know, say you don't know this or you don't know that. Just educate them be like, you know, this is how we live. And this is how your food gets to the grocery store. You know, you, the beef doesn't just come from the grocery store. It comes from a, a ranch. You know, your produce just comes from a local farm somewhere. We work really hard to food on your plate. So it is nice to open eyes and to, you know, build that connection and build trust with the consumer. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, Allie, it has been so great chatting with you today. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Uh, thank you so much. appreciate being here and talking about everything. For sure. For the listeners who would like to connect with you after the show, where can they find you online? Um, you can check out my blog. The blog is flyingffranchwife.com. And flying does not have a G at the end. It's just flying. And then on Instagram, it's the same thing, flyingffranchwife with underscores in between the spaces. And Facebook, I guess you can find me on flyingffranchwife on Facebook too. Awesome. And I will link all of those in the show notes. People can find you and connect with you. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you again for being on the Rural Woman Podcast. I love getting to share your story. Oh, thank you. I love being able to 
share my story as well and just kind of, you know, reach out there and connect with everyone. So thank you so much for what you do. Thanks for listening to the Rural Woman Podcast. For show notes, head on over to wildrosefarmer.com. You can stay connected with me on Instagram at wildrosefarmer. If you love the show, make sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Plus, share it with a friend. We'll see you next time.